What is good, everyone? Welcome to Geeks You Watch Football, the podcast where we talk about video games, NFL news, and movie reviews. I'm Jeff Jackson. Just a reminder before we start to leave a like, leave a review wherever you listen to this podcast, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Anchor. In addition, please follow us on the Facebook page at Geeks Who Watch Football. And you can also follow me on Twitter. My handle is at MadTitan1018. Today's episode, we're going to be taking a look on the fallout from the NFL draft and just some offseason news that we've been hearing and a tweet that Jim Nagy tweeted out focusing on a quarterback in the 2023 NFL draft who he did not name, but we can. I'm going to go break down who I think it is. So without further ado, let's get right into it. In addition to that, I'm also, I forgot to mention, I'm going to be taking a look at division by division, the fallout for how I think their record's going to be, what team had good drafts. Like I did an overall one a couple weeks ago, but I'm going to do it division by division and save my record prediction for teams for that those episodes versus doing it all in one. Because I know this week we're seeing Fox Sports, we're seeing ESPN do their record predictions already. I'm going to not do that right now. I'm going to save that for the division by division. So I wanted to start off with following the official offseason free agency and NFL draft, what quarterbacks can make the jump this offseason? We talk about it every year, right? We've seen it with guys like Lamar Jackson in year two, Josh Allen year three. It's this leap. Even Kyler Murray, you can say in year two, who was in the MVP talk before he fell off. It happens every year. And I'm going to list a few quarterbacks here that could definitely improve on this. And I want to make two points on this. Number one is these are quarterbacks that if their play stays the same, they could be out. And they're expected to improve. Not only should they improve, but they are expected to. And then number two is not all four of these quarterbacks do I expect to make the leap. But... These are the four that are put in the best positions. I left off on this list noticeably absent. We'll call it that list, Justin Fields. I just don't know if he's going to make it because he doesn't have the support with Chicago. They have Matt Eberflus as as the new head coach. And while he's a defensive-minded head coach, that doesn't usually bode well because even if the offensive coordinator there turns Justin Fields around, he's going to be plucked and be a head coach then. The, the lack of continuity is very concerning, and Chicago has never really had a successful track record of developing quarterbacks. So that's cause for pause. I just don't think Fields is put in a, a position to take that leap. And the other quarterback is Mac Jones. And Mac Jones had a nice rookie year. I expect, and if he stays the same, which I expect him to actually make slight improvements but not make a leap, but If he stays the same, he's fine in New England because he threw for 20 touchdowns, I think, and 12 picks. If he plays like 22, 23 touchdowns and 12, 13 picks again, he's going to be fine in New England. I don't think that'll be elite, and whether that's good enough is a question, but his job is safe and secure as long as he doesn't regress. I don't think the Patriots did enough to push their chips all into the center here with him like we've seen with these other four quarterbacks where they made out, yes, they traded for Devontae Parker from Miami, but... I just don't see it as a big enough. I think they're pushing that it's center was last year's off season where they got Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith and Nelson Aguilar. Like that was their push in. And from here, it's just fine tuning and tweaks. If Mac Jones takes the leap, it'll be by him developing uh, like as a passer, his own way, not from the team giving him further support, if that makes sense. So those are the two quarterbacks left off this list. Notably, 
Number one is an obvious one, Tua Tungabailoa, quarterback of the Miami Dolphins. This is a do-or-die year for Tua. Every Dolphins fan knows this. You're seeing it all over the media. People are breaking down duck throws to Tyreek Hill. They're breaking down whatever analysis you want to throw at it. He was under this type of pressure regardless of what they did. But the reason I think Tua can take a big leap is their additions. They added receiver Cedric Wilson from the Cowboys. They traded for Tyreek Hill from the Chiefs. They retained Mike Gusecki with the franchise tag. In addition, they took their 27th-ranked run game and and added running backs to the room. They added Sonny Michelle. They added Raheem Mostert. They added Chase Edmonds from the Cardinals. And they took the 32nd-ranked offensive line, the worst-ranked offensive line by PFF in 10 years, and they added... They signed Terod Armstead, they signed Connor Williams, and they brought in a coaching staff known for the running game and offensive line with Frank Smith from the Chargers and had new head coach Mike McDaniel from the 49ers. And for the first season, I would say this is the first season that Tua has had the coaching and franchise support. He has a coach that believes in him. He has the franchise behind him because you think back, Year one, Tua had Ryan Fitzpatrick. That was his team. Tua was expected to eventually start, but year one, Tua was recovering from surgery. It was not supposed to be his team yet. And then when he did take over, he didn't feel like he earned it. The teammates were looking at him sideways because people still thought Ryan Fitzpatrick was the better player and that whole drama. Year two, it's the Deshaun Watson rumors, you know, down to the point of Brian Flores telling him before, you know, during training camp, we're going to more than likely trade for Deshaun Watson that kills his confidence and now year three it finally feels like the team has his back at least for this year they've made all the offensive line moves receiver moves we talked about including the development you're going to see further development of players like Jalen Waddle Lim Bowden's returning from injury if Preston Williams could ever play more than one game you'd see that development and offensive linemen like Robert Hunt are going to continue to come along I think this could be with an offensive-minded head coach this could be Tua can make the leap from being that 18th, 19th ranked quarterback to a top 12, top 15 player. And if he does, look out for the Dolphins. Do I think Tua is going to make that big of a jump? It remains to be seen. I think he's going to make a leap just by the surrounding of talent they put on him. But it's all going to depend on Tua to make the most of this situation because I think Tua has to not only make the playoffs with this regime, but he has to win a playoff game. If he does both of those things, I think he's safe. If not, even if they make the playoffs, if he has like a 19, 18 touchdown, like, you know, seven, eight picks season, they're going to move on. They have two first round picks next year and two thirds. They're going to go get another quarterback. I think next on this list is Trevor Lawrence the former first overall pick from Clemson for the Jacksonville Jaguars. He also benefited from a quarterback, or uh, not a quarterback, a head coach change with Doug Peterson. Out with old sticky fingers Urban Meyer, in with Doug Peterson, who even though the relationship eroded later on, he and Frank Reich developed Carson Wentz. He was a former quarterback. He has an offensive minded coach in that room with him now and a former quarterback with Doug Peterson. I think that's going to be a well-made marriage there. They added additions. Even if I think they overpaid, they added Zay Jones and Christian Kirk and Evan Ingram. In addition to that, they beefed up the offensive line by franchise tagging and extending Cam Robinson and signing Brandon Sharif. Now, if Sharif's healthy, that's a great signing. He's a top five guard in the league when healthy. The problem is, can he stay healthy? 
They're also getting back Travis Etienne, and they've made up with James Robinson. So this is a team that I expect good things from, and they play, and it should be noted also, sometimes it's where you play that matters. They play in a weaker division. So I could see he's set up to take an improvement. He's set up to, you know, in the draft I forgot to mention, they also drafted Luke Fortner to center from Kentucky. I think this team is, you know, with the head co- offensive minded head coach, with the with the receivers they've added, even though I do think they pay, overpaid for Christian Kirk, I think they've put they pushed their chips all in to help Trevor Lawrence make that next step. And I think he's in a prime position to, in addition to being in a weak division, I think Trevor Lawrence can make that leap. Next up, we have Jalen Hurts, quarterback of the Eagles. He's in the same boat as Tua. The Dolphins and Eagles are kind of in similar boats, just NFC and AFC versions of each other. The They spent a first-round pick the year before on an Alabama receiver, Jalen Waddle for the Dolphins, uh, Devontae Smith for the Eagles. In the draft this year, they traded for A.J. Brown from the Titans. Now, I don't consider A.J. Brown as dynamic as Tyreek Hill, but he is still a top-10 receiver in the game, so they did push their chips in there. They have a solid running game already with Miles Sander and Kenneth Gainwell. They are also, like the Jaguars, benefiting from a weak division. Jalen Hurts made the playoffs last year, but they need to see more. And if he doesn't show more or stays the same, they're going to use their two first-round picks next year to move on as well. So them and the Dolphins are in the same boat. I personally don't expect Jalen Hurts to because I just don't think he's a natural thrower of the football. I think he's a great running quarterback. I think he's right in that Tua range right now of how he's ranked. I just don't see him making quite the leap of Tua because I think Tua is more natural passer. I think Jalen Hurts is a better runner and plays in a weaker division, but I just have more faith in Tua taking that step than Jalen Hurts. But I'm not going to deny it. This is the most, you know, he's set up the best for success right now. Hurts having Brown and Smith to throw to and that awesome running game. So the Eagles are definitely set up here for Jalen Hurts to like take that next step. And last but not least is Zach Wilson from the Jets. They in free agency signed Lake and Tomlinson at guard, but they didn't do as much on the receiver side for free agency besides bringing back Baxton Berrios who is a favorite of his and a special team star. Lake and Tomlinson helped shore up their offensive line at guard. They also took a right tackle, uh, Max Mitchell, in the draft. In addition, they have Mackie Becton coming back for left tackle, sliding over uh, George Fant to the right tackle spot. So their offensive line, by getting guys back and having another year of continuity, should be better. I think they were ranked 12th last year in the NFL. So they already have a top 15 unit. I expect that unit to become a top 10 unit this year. In addition to that, mostly where it comes down to is the draft. They drafted uh, with top 10 picks. They drafted Garrett Wilson, receiver out of Ohio State, and they drafted Brees Hall to pair with Michael Carter. So they have a dynamic one-two punch at running back. They have Elijah Moore coming back. They signed Corey Davis a year ago. Davis had a kind of a disappointing year last year, but another year in the system could help. So between Davis, Elijah Moore, Braxton Berrios, Garrett Wilson, and at running back with Brees Hall, who is my RB1 in this past draft, along with Michael Carter and an improved offensive line, this this is set up for Zach Wilson to succeed. Now, he plays in a brutal division with teams like the Bills, Jets, and uh, Patriots all being defensive top 15 units, but this is the year for him to take that step. The only problem I have with the Jets is a lot of their players are rookies first or second year players and this is a defensive minded coaching staff still so are they going to be you know do they are they going to be able to develop that young quarterback 
if this was a veteran quarterback coming in, you know, like a Matt Ryan, like a Ryan Tannehill, like a, you know, I'd be much more surefire that the Jets are going to win five, six more games. But I'm not sure because it all depends on Zach Wilson taking that leap. So, but he's set up phenomenally to make that next leap. So once again, my four quarterbacks are Tua Tungavailoa, Trevor Lawrence, Jalen Hurts, Zach Wilson. If history shows us anything, two of them will probably make the leap. Two of them will not. Which two it is, you kind of already from hearing me talk who I think it is. I think it will be Tua and Lawrence and Trevor Lawrence, but it remains to be seen. Now the real question becomes, and this is a whole topic for another show, is if Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence struggle, do they take a plunder at another quarterback with the quarterback draft coming up? Right? Like, this is a quarterback draft supposedly coming up next year. Do the Jets and Jaguars, especially if they have a top 10 pick, do they plunge again? Or do they trade, get another plethora hall and go for a year three with these quarterbacks? This is a not-for-long league right now. It kind of always has been, but teams are a lot less patient with their quarterbacks than in years past. And I think Arizona kind of started this trend and everybody's been kind of following suit. But speaking of quarterbacks in the upcoming NFL draft 2023, yes, we are already talking about it, even though we are well over a year away. Uh, I'm going to bring up a tweet Jim Nagy sent out a couple days ago, which was blowing up Twitter. And I saved it here. And for those who don't know Jim Nagy, as he runs the Senior Bowl, outstanding follow on Twitter. Please go follow, look him up. He, you know, works. He's the one that's kind of helped the Senior Bowl explode. So he literally works and watches prospects all day long. So Jim Nagy said, "Just watched a quarterback prospect being mocked slash talked about in an upper tier of next year's class. That unless the 2022 tape looks drastically different, has zero chance of getting drafted next April." The way too early stuff on here is absolutely wild. Now, who is he talking about? He has already come out and said, by the way, because he got over like 300 replies, that it is not Anthony Richardson from Florida. He adamantly came out and said, no, it's not Richardson from Florida. So we can cross him off the list. We know it's not CJ Stroud or Bryce Young. They've been talked about in the top 10 for a while. That fits that bill. But their tape has shown their top 15 players, at least from tape before. He's like, unless their tape dramatically improves, both of those guys have good tape. You can have questions on other traits, but not tape. So who has bad tape that is being projected? I can tell you who I think it is. I have two candidates. It's one or the other. My number one choice is I think it's DJ, I don't even want to say Uguglier from Clemson. Why do I say this? Because Jason McIntyre over at Fox Sports had him in his top 10 going to the Carolina Panthers in the 2023 NFL draft. So it was a recent report that was filed just a week ago. That would be enough the timing to line up with what Jim Nagy was saying. Agunlier has not lived up to his billing. He was a number one recruit out of high school, five-star recruit, but he has not lived up to the billing the way his predecessors have with Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence. Not even close. So while the physical tools are there, he kind of reminds me of like a Christian Hackenberg of he has all the tools, but my God, is his tape horrendous. And I don't think he gets, I agree with what Jim Nagy is saying. I don't think he gets drafted in the top four or five rounds, if at all, if his tape doesn't improve. Tools be damned because it is not pretty, folks. 
The other player who I think it could be is Will Levis out of Kentucky. He's been rising up a lot of people's boards. And I think the tools are there. I think the arm strength is there. But I don't see the tape to make him a top 10, top 15 pick yet. And I don't think I've seen him mocked there. That's why I don't think it's quite him. But on Twitter, I've been seeing people hype him up. So that's who it also could be. So Jim Nagy was either looking at an article he read, which I think is what it is that triggered him, or he's tired of seeing people on Twitter say this, this, and this. So if I had a guess, it's quarterback out of Clemson that he's complaining about. Now, for those looking ahead, I will be doing a ranking, by the way, of prospects to look forward to next year to keep an eye on. Ones that come to mind are like Will Anderson out of Alabama, defensive end, Bryce Young, quarterback, uh, C.J. Stroud, quarterback. And the other quarterback to keep your eye on right now, the three favorites I would say to be first round that people keep hyping up are Bryce Young from Alabama, C.J. Stroud from Ohio State. Those two are going to be top five picks people project. Number three to keep an eye on, a personal favorite of mine, but he has to take a step with his tape, which I think he could, is Tyler Van Dyke from Miami. He's got the size, he's got the arm strength, and he has Mario Cristobal coming down there now, which will improve the offensive line. I expect with a much better coaching staff, as shown by Kenny Pickett, who kind of had the tools but then exploded his senior year, Tyler Van Dyke can do the same thing. He has the tools. Now, if he takes that leap, he could easily propel himself to be a first-round pick. So that's why I keep Tyler Van Dyke in there. Those are my three right now. I'd have to go back, and I'm going to do some more research and looking. But throughout the course of the year, we will see more prospects emerge. But those are the three quarterbacks. So if anybody wants to know, because that's all you're hearing about right now, next year's quarterback class is so much better. That's the prospects I'm looking at is quarterback from Bama, quarterback from Ohio State, and quarterback from Miami University. Those are the three. Next up on the show, we have a quick reminder to not take OTAs too seriously. I know a report just came out from the Tennessee that, uh, website that Traylon Burks is puking in practice and had to leave early. People are getting scars from the tackle there from Georgia. They took a couple years ago. Like, oh, no, it's this all over again. Folks, calm down. Remember to relax. This is OTAs. Last year, we had this with Jamar Chase. Everybody was saying, oh, he's got drop issues. Oh, he needs to work on the jugs machine. Look at that. And people forget he missed the whole year. And he ended up having one of the best rookie years for a wide receiver in the last decade. People were hyping up last year in the OTAs, Gregory Rousseau from the Bills. He's going to be Reggie White. Look at him. And he got overshadowed immediately during the regular season by Jalen Phillips and Aziz Ojolari from the Giants. Relax, folks. This is OTAs. Traylon Burks could be just fine for all we know. He was my number five receiver in this draft coming out. I think he'll be just fine. But judge them when the regular season. It's tempting because we're football starved right now we need that attention or we need that like something to give us hope people forget everybody was ripping Lamar Jackson for his throws in OTAs his sophomore year and then he proceeded to win the MVP people are doing it with Tua now with look at those ducks or Mac Jones's freshman year look at those ducks relax guys (laughs) we're at the underwear Olympics right now wait till the pads come on even preseason, let these guys gel a bit, okay? Preseason is when you work on shit, when you try over-aggressive throws. It's what you know you can and cannot do. Let's see what happens in the regular season. And speaking of the regular season, the last topic of today's show I want to get to is officially my prediction for who is the who I think will be the rookie of the year, offensive and defensive. I'm going to start off with listing candidates, followed by who I think ultimately will be, Okay. 
The offensive side, I have three candidates. My final one is going to be who I ultimately think it will be. Starting off with wide receiver Christian Watson out of Green Bay. I would like to put Drake London on this list. I would like to put Chris Olave on this list. But I'm scared about their quarterback play. Olave could be it. Olave is a sexy one because of Jameis Winston. But if Winston goes down and Taysom can't throw Hill comes in, that might struggle. And they play in a you know with Tampa Bay and stuff. I'm a little worried about that. Same with Drake London. I love Drake London, but I'm scared about that quarterback play with Marcus Mariota. So I'm giving it to Christian Watson, who has Aaron Rodgers. He doesn't have an elite receiving core around him. He has a bunch of number two and threes. This would be a nice test for him. Aaron Rodgers can help him put up those numbers, put him up in prime time, and make that leap. I don't think it'll be him, but like I said, number three is Christian Watson. Number two on my list is Brees Hall, running back. I think with the Jets, he was my RB1 with Michael Carter being there with an improved offensive line being there. If Zach Wilson, if they want to ease him into the passing game, they will run the ball more. Running backs generally hit the ground running, no pun intended. And I think Brees Hall could easily be in the rookie of the year discussion. It is a positional game, though. Offensive linemen rarely, if ever, win it. Rashawn Slater had about as good of a rookie year as you could have at left tackle, and he did not win it. The position that always seems to get it is quarterbacks, usually. Unless a receiver or running back has a game-breaking year, it usually goes to the quarterback. The only reason Mac Jones didn't win it last year is Jamar Chase absolutely exploded. If Jamar Chase didn't explode, it probably would have went to Mac Jones. With that being said, my prediction for Rookie of the Year is going to be Kenny Pickett, quarterback out of Pitt. He's playing for Pittsburgh. If he starts earlier, like within the first four or five weeks, and Pittsburgh makes the playoffs, he could be it. The only downside to this that might detract this is, one, if one of these receivers explode, or two, if he doesn't really see the field because Mitch Trubitsky's tearing it up. Otherwise, the court, this is a quarterback league. I'm going to give it to Kenny Pickett as my prediction officially for who will win Offensive Rookie of the Year. Swinging over to the defensive side of the ball now, I only have two prospects. My number two is who I think will win it. Only because we saw a lot of corners come off the board this year, and corners almost always take a year or two. They are usually slow developers, much like tight ends on the offensive side of the ball. They usually don't hit the ground running. That's why I lean more towards defensive ends, linebackers, or safeties. Defensive tackles and corners, I usually stay clear of. So usually for me, it's either safety, linebackers, or defensive ends. And my first prospect coming up is just that. I have Kayvon Thibodeau, defensive end for the New York Giants. I'm not going to say Trayvon Walker because I think he's going to be a little bit raw. And I'm not going to say George Kralaptis or um, Jermaine Johnson. I'm going with the prospect who I had as my number one defensive end. He plays in a pass-happy division. He could put up numbers. His team might suck but he might put up numbers. So that's for the reason I have Kayvon Thibodeau number two on my list. But the number one prediction I have for who I think will be the defensive rookie of the year is safety Kyle Hamilton for the Baltimore Ravens. I wasn't as high on Kyle Hamilton as others, but only for the fact that I just didn't see him as a top 10 pick. Baltimore, he fell into their lap at pick 14. They swoop in, they take the number one safety in the draft. He's going to be a perfect fit in Baltimore. He's going against pass-happy offenses. He could have the impact on their defense, the same impact uh, Javon Holland had on the Miami Dolphins defense a year prior. I think this kid could be a stud. And if he explodes like that, look for him to get his name called in a defensive rookie of the year ballot. 
And that's all for today's show. Just a reminder for everyone to leave a like, leave a review wherever you're listening, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Anchor. Follow me on Twitter. My handle is at MadTitan1018. Look out for future episodes. I'm going to be dropping reviews of the uh, division, going division by division with uh, different guests this time around, going over what their drafts were, what did I like and dislike, and what do I think their record's going to be. In addition to that, Look out for more video game reviews coming up. I'm going to have Phil on for another indie title that we're going to be doing later in the week. And in addition to that, I'm going to be taking a look at some other games coming out. What's been like the top five games this year? What games do I look forward to for the remainder of the year that could be in my top five? Thanks, everyone, for listening and have a good one.